This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Women's Leadership Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Susan Hudson, a reproductive endocrinologist at Texas Fertility Center and co-host of the podcast Fertility Docs Uncensored, which you can find wherever podcasts are hosted. Dr. Hudson, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much. It's a privilege to be here. Fantastic. Well, before we jump into the questions, uh, could you please tell us a little bit more about your background? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I am a board certified reproductive endocrinology and infertility specialist. I know it's a little bit of a mouthful, but essentially um, my background and training is I am a board certified OB-GYN and I went on to do additional training specializing in fertility care. And so my current practice um, primarily focuses on people who are having challenges in conceiving or staying pregnant. And that's what I do is, is I help build families. Oh, that sounds like an amazing job and a wonderful mission. It, it is, it is very, very rewarding. I love taking care of my patients. You, it's always an adventure. I, I always say that half of my job is OB-GYN and half of my job is psychiatry and sociology. It's, you, you may have a couple with the same problem, but how their ethical, moral, social, religious backgrounds, all those things put together, how, that helps guide them in how they're going to decide on building their family. And so it, it really it adds interest and excitement and it, it, it's a beautiful thing to work with. That sounds like it's an amazing job and I'm really excited to have you here to talk a little bit more about it. First off, what are some of the big issues and trends in reproductive endocrinology today? Right. So I think some of the biggest things that we see in our field right now are, you know, utilizing technology to help improve pregnancy rates. So, you know, we have the ability to, if somebody decides to go down the path of um, IVF or in vitro fertilization, we're able to test embryos to see if they're chromosomally normal, which is the main reason why embryos historically have not stuck in the uterus. That's, uh, humans are very inefficient at reproduction. So 50% of the embryos a woman produces in kind of their prime reproductive age are, are chromosomally abnormal. So by us being able to pick out chromosomally normal embryos to put those in at the time of embryo transfer is significantly helping us improve success rates. Similar technologies are also helping us prevent certain types of diseases from being passed from generation to generation. So an example of that is people who may be carriers for something called cystic fibrosis. It's an inherited condition that you have to get really from your mom and your dad. And it can cause lung issues, issues with the pancreas, it can cause childhood death, really, really a hard disease to deal with. And we can now pick out embryos that won't be affected by that disease. So there's, there's some pretty cool things going on. And then of course we have third-party reproduction where we look at helping people who need things like donor egg or donor sperm or using gestational carriers and, and even donor embryos are available nowadays. That's amazing to think about all the different technologies that are available for 
women and families to uh, have that reproductive um, ability that perhaps they wouldn't have been able to in the past. Absolutely. Absolutely. And our, our knowledge base is growing all the time. There are so many things we know about reproduction, but our, our testing is a little bit behind because there, there's hard things to figure out you know, once we have an embryo inside the uterus and, and that type of thing. But there's, there's research being done every day, and it's, it's an exciting field to be in. Absolutely. And I, I'm wondering, what unique perspective do you have as a female f- physician when working with patients in this field? Absolutely. Well, my, my, I think one of my biggest parts of having a uni- unique perspective is not only am I a specialist who you know, works with people who are having challenges, but I myself went through fertility treatment. And so I think that it, it really, that experience for me personally ha- has helped me relate because there's, there's nothing that really compares to getting a phone call from your nurse being told something about your cycle that you don't understand, or you don't really want to hear. It's not the news you want to have. And, and having that opportunity to sit on both sides of the table ha- has really, it really opened my eyes to kind of another level of empathy. That makes sense. And how are you thinking about career growth and development in the coming years? Well, I am, in addition to my role as a physician and as um, a co-host of our podcast and my personal roles as wife and mother to my kids, I'm also gradually working on my MBA. And so I, I, have over the past few years been taking classes. I I found a program that I can do completely remotely, which is very convenient. Um, And I just take classes when I know I have little downswings. They're generally seven week courses and just chipping away at it slowly and surely. And also, you know, taking advantage of things within my company, um, other organizations that I've been a part of to really kind of gain perspective of not only the medicine of medicine, but also the business of medicine. So trying to take advantage of my peers as well. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And I know, you know, in medical school, that's not something that's always focused on is the business side of things and some of the leadership or business savvy. I'm wondering, you know, in um, going for MBA and working on that and getting some of these other um, business acumen, um, what do you think that'll really do for your career? And how do you hope that it'll evolve over the next several years? Right. Yeah, I, I would have to say that um, that's a good question. Uh, when I started looking at my MBA and started it, I, I had ideas of how I might use it personally in my medical practice. It, and I may still use it in those ways, but I have since been able to become a partner in another organization that is involved in fertility care, the Ovation Fertility Network. It's a nationwide network that um, owns fertility labs and also has other fertility products like fertility, uh, like chromosome testing for those embryos, like what I was talking about earlier, gestational surrogacy um, services, to, to name a few. And I think it would be nice to eventually be able to use um, 
you know, the, the training and education that I'm getting in some aspect of that part of my life. Um, you know, I, prior to being in the practice that I am in now, I actually, my, my career started off, I started off as an employed physician in a, in a small practice. And I did that for about three years. And uh, then I decided I needed a little bit of a change. And so I jumped in and opened up my own fertility clinic, which, you know, not a lot of people do nowadays, uh, going out as a solo practitioner. Um, it was a great idea for me at the time. And I did that for about five years. And then I decided we needed to have a change. And I, I think the biggest thing in, in thinking about your path is realizing your path is really a journey. <laughs> And it's, it's not always, it actually, I think it very rarely goes in the direction you, you really think it's going to go, but there, there's a plan out for you and, and making the, the best out of the opportunities that are in front of you. I love that idea in that your path is a journey and in really embracing the ability to make changes and be flexible and, you know, do what makes the most sense as new opportunities come of it, become available. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's the, the things that you have in mind right now, you don't know what's going to be knocking on your door tomorrow and you don't want to be so focused on your plan that some other opportunity that may actually be way better than what you were intending may come knocking at your door. Absolutely. Well, I, I think that has been a really interesting way to look at things and think about career development. And my last question for you here is, what are your top three pieces of advice for women aspiring to be clinical leaders, especially those that are perhaps in male-dominated specialties? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think my first word of advice is don't make it an us versus them. I think too much of our society is divided nowadays, and it really isn't a situation where it should be women against men in these dominated um, specialties. We, we work together and we work on each other's strengths and we sharpen each other's skills. And through collaboration of everyone, that's how we're going to end up with the best outcome for our practices, for our business, and really for our lives in general. Um, my next piece of advice is really the power of positivity. I am one of those people that I come up with a plan and I'm going to work towards that goal. But like I mentioned, I also understand that life is going to um, hand you some lemons once in a while. And the best thing you can do is, is make that lemonade because otherwise those lemons get really sour. And when people really turn inward on themselves and, and that negativity starts creeping in, you're not going to be able to reach the goals that you're really wanting to reach. And I think my third piece of advice is really finding your own personal balance and realizing that your balance is not going to be the same as somebody else's and your balance is going to change with life. So whatever, wherever you find your balance right now, it may not be what was helping you find balance two or three years ago. And understanding that that's really a fluid process and, and that you consistently need to make adjustments depending on what, what is in front of you at the time. Dr. Hudson, I really like that idea. I think first, as you mentioned, you know, making sure that um, you're working with the men in your field in order to 
have your skills play off of each other and sharpen each other's skills. Um, and number two, really focusing on the power of positivity. I think that's so important and especially coming out of the pandemic, you know, there's a lot <laughs> to have to, to, you know, do that. Sometimes it takes a lot of energy, but I think it's so important as well. Um, and then number three, finding balance in life and understanding that balance will change from time to time. So, you know, really being aware of yourself and knowing what you need in order to um, go forward. I think, as you mentioned, is really, really important. Absolutely. I mean, I think this is good kind of life life advice, not necessarily just people who are aspiring to be leaders, but people, it's the best way to find some personal happiness. And as you said, coming out of the pandemic, coming out of, you know, an election year, there, there are so many, there's so many things that people can, can find negative in, and you're not going to be able to reach your goals and be the best person you can be if you're always focusing on the negative. Dr. Hudson, thank you so much for being here today. This has been a really fantastic discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again in the future. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.